Hey, TC, what time is it? It's time that we get a bunch of high school kids laid. <laughs> and by that, I mean it's time for a makeover. And I'm TC. And welcome to Movie Makeover, the podcast where we take the movies you love, you think you love, guilty pleasures, or downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. Every episode, we'll review the good, the bad, and ultimately the makeover, where we pitch our changes for the film or cast our own reboots. Uh, This week's movie is 1983's Risky Business, starring Tom Cruise, Rebecca DeMornay, Bronson Pritchett, and Curtis Armstrong. Uh... Risky business, guys. Uh, like you said, released 1983. Um, it has a IMDb score of 6.8, a Rotten Tomato score of 96%. What? And Roger Ebert gave it a 4 out of 4. Um, budget 6.2, gross $63.5 million. Yeah, so that's really funny because I actually... I think I'm going to be a little bit different than what you think I would be with this movie. Really? Uh, and there's a reason for that, I, as always. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, what was some of your first impressions? My first impressions. Well, I <laughs> love the way people of color were treated in this film, <laughs> right off the bat. And you by mean, that, the person of color? The one, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one transvestite prostitute. Um, I love the way children and adult sex workers were... Pretty much given the okay to do whatever. No questions <laughs> asked. At no point is anyone like, so how old are you? To anyone. <laughs> to the prostitutes. To the children. Children. There's so, a pimp named Guido. I don't know, guys. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into all of that. All right, so quick summary. Risky Business is about teenager Joel being left home alone for about a week while his parents go out of town. Um, he is like your everyday boy who meets up with his friends and they talk a lot about sex. It's very clear that they know nothing about sex. And one of his friends decides to call a call girl. Um, back in the old classifieds. <laughs> and that leads us to Lana, <laughs> the prostitute who he hires, who refuses to go and basically gets him in a bunch of trouble, hijinks. Uh, it's very 80s teen sitcom um, because everything gets tied with a bow at the end and um, our boy becomes a man. So, <laughs> when you say gets him in the hijinks, you mean starts a brothel. Starts a brothel. <laughs> All right, an underage brothel. All right, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, that's that's the risk in business that we're we're talking this about. This whole like trying to tie the brothel thing to like entrepreneurship is yeah. Honestly, so here's the thing. We're going to get into it. Are you ready to just do the good, bad, and the other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, All right. This movie wasn't terrible. So let's start with the good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will say that this movie took me back to a much simpler time in film. This took me... Because this, this is the kind of movie that I would have watched on VHS when I was like... In 1991. How? My boyfriend was like, oh, you haven't seen Risky Business? What kind of parent would let them, their child watch Risky Business? Then we watched Risky Business, and he was like, oh, no, you should not have watched Because I definitely <laughs> I definitely have seen parts of this movie, or little things seem familiar outside of the overall plot. Yes. Um, but the, I don't know. This was just like a time when, you know, the biggest problem a teenager can have is 
I need to get laid. I can't get laid. Which I know has a whole s- issues on oh, its own. He runs into bigger problems. <laughs> he runs into a lot of problems. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I'm kind of grasping at straws right now because I'm having a hard time thinking of a lot of things All I right. like about this movie. So I will go. Um, for for me, the good. I had a lot of really. I had a lot of good in this movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's hear it. One teen, the teenage angst and the re- the realism of these teenagers. To be fair, the situations they get in um, are kind of, I mean, they are, they're Hollywood and they're larger than life, but the behavior that they have is right on. The idea that we, are one of our opening shots is of him telling a story uh, about the girl next door or the babysitter next door and just kind of trying to impress his friends. And there's like all these things and they, they're teasing him because they know his real behavior versus what he said he did. Um, you have the fact that you have all these boys trying to imitate their father. You know, you know for a fact that they don't really know the value of those cigars they're smoking. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like, they don't understand, they don't get that. Well, there's, just, the privilege is throughout this movie. Absolutely. But, even with that, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, it's you can tell that it's pretty much all put on them. Um, one of the first things that Joel says is, "I'll never get into college. My life is over." Um, the idea that he thinks not getting into college is the equivalent of his life being over is crazy, especially when we see all the other things happen to him. Yeah. That are, you're like, no, see, that was way more <laughs> of a problem than you not getting into college. I, I will say this. I liked the cast of this movie. Absolutely. Most of them. Oh, uh, there is one person in particular 100%. who I was like, yep. fuck you. <laughs> yep. um, but for the most part, like, I thought the kids looked like kids. Even Tom Cruise, who is known to be, like, the sex symbol, I did feel like he was kind of nerdy in this movie, which I thought, yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the scenes that I wrote, uh, uh, wrote down, because it literally made me laugh Was him trying to jack off and not being able to? (laughs) Well, no, there's that, but the scene that made me literally laugh out loud was when the Porsche starts to roll, and he just lets out this scream, you are the door! (laughs) Yeah. He's like, he's just, it's the biggest, most realistic child, like, oh my god, Help, please! You 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 put me in this situation. I had no control over it, and he's just like screaming like a child who's like, "I." That scene was triggering for me, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> one of my most reoccurring dreams that I have is being in a car underwater, <gasps> and it's like it's like this reoccurring nightmare that I've had for years. Oh my god! So when I saw that, it was just like my heart started pounding. Oh I was just god. like, "Oh, this is the worst feeling." Also, there's a lot. And there's a lot of choices in this movie that, again, are really well done. Um, going back to him being a kid, the moment we see him alone, like after his parents leave, there is a they, there's a shot of him doing making a whiskey and coke. And again, it's that childlike thing of like the strong whiskey, which again I would argue he doesn't know the value of, Not at all. and then like drowning it in cheap coke. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's just there you get constant reminders that these are children. Yeah. the fact that they're like when uh, Lana first is like, "You owe me this amount of money," he's like, "I don't have any." Yeah. I mean, like I have a bond that I got from my grandma, but like, and she's like, "All right, go cash a bond." But, like, that's the situation. Also, uh, watching this movie, 
as an adult, you see so many times where he could just walk away from it. A hundred percent. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, um, hey, I know you're studying, but do you want to go get high and get ice cream? And he's like, you know what? Let's throw drugs in the mix with this. I seem to be on a hot streak. Let's do it. Well, for me, it was the moment we meet Jackie. And I was like, you don't have to open the door, dude. Like, there's no requirement for you to open the door. No. And, (laughs) all right. Wait, 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 wait. So, like, there's that. There's the fact that, again, Lana's like, she refuses to leave. And for him, the worst thing that can happen is his parents finding out. When you're like, no, the worst thing that can happen is everything that happens afterwards. That's the worst thing that could happen. All that's the worst (laughs) shit. Like, at one point, you have a pimp who knows your address. Thank you. That alone (laughs) is terrifying. Like, let's talk that. Yeah. Do you think all of this shit's not gonna come back to you some other weekend? (laughs) Like, that's the fear. Thank you. But he's a child, so for him, he's like, my parents don't know about it, I'm good. And that's what I, again, to me, the symbolism in this, as I said, the whiskey and the coke, old-time rock and roll, so like, Again, the music choices of him just being at home. That dance scene is iconic, number one, but it's also very reminiscent of what you do when your parents are away. You know, dancing to music. Or even now, if you're by yourself, dancing to music. I mean, this is like, what, seven years before Home Alone, too? So that whole scene of Kevin kind of running through the house was kind of more so taken from this, I would think. Um, Same thing with um, uh, the Porsche, going back to the Porsche. The idea that, like, this is really nice car. And his father's like, don't drive my car. And then he takes it out, and, like, in the first five seconds, he stalls it. And again, that's yeah. them saying, this kid is a kid. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like he's not as smooth as he thinks he is. He does, and I just, I thought that was a really good part of this movie. Um, that they constantly remind you in several ways that this is a child feigning adulthood. You know what? You're right. The movie definitely succeeds with this juxtaposition of a kid trying to masquerade as an adult without knowing or fully understanding what any of that really means. And part of that has to do with the fact that he's lived a life without consequences. Absolutely. And again, the the number of consequences that come with his actions, or like his friend's actions, is kind of... It, it's only something that you would do in youth and something that you would do with no experience. As yeah. you said, like I don't think a single child from a lower demographic, would have let that go on as long as it did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Lana, like, I don't know a single child from a working-class family who wouldn't have been like, bitch, call whoever you need to call, but yeah. you ain't, I'll tell you what you would not do it, you will not be in this house when I leave. <laughs> so, yeah, there's yeah. that. Um, and then the other thing that I had um, was this whole message about capitalism. They, they, it's actually kind of critical, and it's one of those movies that I feel kind of like uh, Wall Street, where it's like, it's critical of capitalism, but so many people take away the wrong message. Well, yeah, I was going to say the same thing, that there's a moment where, like, um, they're at this pizza place, and he, uh, you know, uh, Joel has been stressing out about college, and he's like, do you guys just want to make money, or do you want to change the world? And everyone at the table is like, no, we want to make money. Exactly. This is 1983. This is when, like... 80s prosperity. Yeah, just the the start of the yuppie. And uh, you can really get a sense that, like, preparing for college and, like... 
being on the entrepreneurial free team. Uh, free enterprise or something like that. Yeah, it's basically like, yeah, I'm a young Republican or yeah. just whatever. Like, it just all this shit to prepare you for this life of sucking funds from other people. You got a good head start, my man. Well, again, and what I think is interesting is that's not... He says, his response is, I want to serve my fellow man. Like, you know, like... That's what's what he wants to do. He wants to do some good in the world. And then later on, that's kind of flipped on his head because he realized, I think there's a scene and we'll get to it, but there's a scene where he, you see him just like spiral out and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I tried to live the good life. I tried to do what, everything I could do and play by the rules. That's not During working During the interview? Um, where he pops well, a cigarette and was like, you gotta say fuck it sometimes, right? <laughs> the interview and, um, honestly, the bike ride. I feel like the moment yeah. he gets suspended from school, again, his actions have consequences. And I like that about this movie. Every single decision he makes actually has a consequence. And a real life consequence. And he's so privileged. And he's used to not, he's used to not getting into trouble. And that's clear. So, like, when he goes to the nurse, I love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he goes to the nurse, and he's like, I'm just looking for a little bit of sympathy. And the moment he touched her, I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. But <laughs> the next thing is, so what did they do to him? They suspended him for five days. He got removed from young entrepreneurs or whatever. It was like, they're like, damn, they trashed his record. There are hard consequences to his behavior until there aren't. <laughs> um, real fast, just before I move on, you said like that you thought he really wanted to change the world. I did not get that impression. I thought that was something he was saying because he just didn't know what he wanted to do next. It seems like you know this whole going to Yale thing is something that's far more important to his parents than it is to him. He's like, oh, I guess I'm going to major in business. Like, I that's just what's kind of laid out for me. It doesn't seem like he has any personal interest in this future that he's invested his entire high school in, which is why I think he's so easily swayed over to fucking pot and ice cream and brothels and pimps and whatever. I would agree with that. Yeah. I I, I, I I guess my argument is that that's what he said, at least. At least he knew enough to not just be like everyone else. Yeah. Like, yes, make money is the goal. Um, I also love, like, in the entrepreneur's thing, there's this whole thing, our free enterprise, where he's like, uh, I'm busy with marketing and sales. And he's like, how can you be busy with marketing and sales? I haven't given you the product yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was like, that is hilarious. Yeah. And he was like, I've been busy. With what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then to c just kind of wrap this up, the things that I also liked about it that I put in good is Barry. Barry is the better friend. Barry is great. Barry is there all the... Like, Barry, out of his friend's circle, Barry is the best one. So <laughs> Barry is played by Bronson Pritchard, am yes, I saying that right? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's how I say it. Um, <laughs> I know him best from uh, movies like Beverly Hills Cop. Um, he was also in Perfect Strangers yes. and Step by Step for you '90s uh, TV kids. Um, this guy is a fantastic character actor. But in this movie, this is the first time I'm seeing him play the straight man, mm -hmm. not just some kind of comedic side yeah. character with a weird accent. And he also is, like you said, he is the most. Um, genuine friend he's the one who seems he's the most in sync with uh tom cruise more than any of the other kids Joel. um and he's also kind of like more like kind of there for him yeah. i would say than every single time because we're gonna get there but he's I running the the finances for this brothel i hate miles so much oh yeah. and we will talk about miles when i get to the bag but um at least the barry character i feel was done really really well 
because again, that whole idea where Barry like is like he boffed her, and then yeah, the yeah. next day he had sex with her. He's like Barry. <laughs> same thing. It's the same thing. Are you sure? It's like again, it's that's a, such a high school thing. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It was very genuine, and that's what I loved about him. And then um, the soundtrack. Uh, we get in the air tonight. Yeah, they did have a great soundtrack. Yes. Um, I will say that the music throughout, even the score, was very. I think that's kind of what I meant when I said like this was a a movie of my childhood that it reminded me of. The score was just very John Hughesy, very John Hughesy. It just just those eighties movies that I loved. This sounded like one of those without being one of those. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it sounded and had the feeling, the, the look and feel. Totally. One thing that I um, I want to bring up in the good is there's a scene where um, he's dropping his parents off. Yeah. And it's all from the point of yes, view. Yes, that was a great scene. Of him. But it also reminded me of Kanye West's, um, God, what's the one where he goes to the airport? All Falls Down. Oh, yeah. And I was like, is this taken from there? Because honestly, look at All Falls Down. He's taking her to the airport. And it has, like, kind of the same beats. It's the same viewpoint. Um, It even ends kind of the same way with that inverse of him. Because that's, like, we literally don't see Joel up until the very end after his parents has handed off. And, like, it's, like, what that does is it puts you in the position of this is happening to you. So it's a great... I, I would believe that of Kanye, because that's before we lost him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's my whole thing. Yeah. Like, Kanye's very smart, and he would have grown up with this movie. Sure, sure. But also, I loved that method um, as a director, because it forced us to become Joel from that point on. Yeah. Like, this was a story about Joel at first, and then from that point on, everything was happening to all of us because we got the same instruction that his parents had. We were put down, or, like, you know, told not to drive Yeah, don't do this. Hey, don't turn the radio up too loud. Don't have friends over, all that. The mom being like, we trust you, and us immediately thinking to ourselves, that's a mistake. But, you know, it's like... (laughs) And... I you know what here's something that I will say is the good. Mm-hmm. I thought that uh, Rebecca De Mornay, De Mornay, yeah, De Mornay, who played Lana, I thought she was fantastic. All right, I thought she gave a a, a very believable, um, a very grounded performance. Um, I there were times when I didn't know if she was playing him, if she was with him. Oh, I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, and I you know she she really was a fantastic manipulator in a lot of ways um but like for her profession i would expect that yes i would expect her to take advantage of this kid who just oh she took such again watching this i was like she took advantage she knew what she honestly think uh, to me like looking at it like i watched it twice looking at it the second time i was like i honestly think she planned so much of this including the car because when she goes to grab her purse it's right after he's insulted her uh, which by again, he he hasn't meant to insult her, but he is coming from privilege, and he does say things that to her seem uh, demeaning. And so it's in that moment where she goes and she grabs her purse, where she moves the shift. And I was yep. like, it's it's done in such a way. Her hand hits that shift in such a way where it's like you. She felt that. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I, I felt that that was intentional as well. Yeah. Um. Which, by the way, 
Fuck her, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the level of manipulation is out of control. Like Absolutely. This. We will get into that. Um, but I thought she played her role real well, so I, I, I will say that. Um, and then, this will lead us to that, I'm sure, but Jackie. What I do like about Jackie, and Jackie is the black call girl we first meet yeah. when she shows up. Jackie is self-assured. <laughs> Jackie has, she's going to get her money. <laughs> she's very polite. She's very polite, and she's and she she even talks to him. She's like, "Look, I understand that we could have some fun, but that's not what you want. So here, this is Lana. It's what you want. It's what all the boys on the lake want." Yeah, and she she kind of kicks it off. And a part of me was like, "Did she even do this kind of like as a oh y'all brought me out here and thought you could just play with my emotions?" Well, let me introduce you to some real drama. Well, and that's <laughs> and that's one of the things I have to say I do like about the movie is that the entire movie is Tom Cruise's character saying like, "Hey, I want to use you for this amount of time based on my, you know, parameters and all of this." And when it starts to bleed into his life, he starts to be like, "Well, I'm super inconvenienced by this." It's like you invited a prostitute into your home. Like, this is what happens when you don't think shit through, which I know is intentional to yeah. his whole, like, I'm a boy and I'm being naive. Absolutely. Um, but I thought that was done really well. And yeah. I thought the fact that he was like, because they were looking for Lana afterwards and they couldn't find her. And he was like, oh yeah, Jackie said this is where she hangs out. So, so he called Jackie He again. felt a trust with Jackie. So, I mean. That's what I said. I do, as, this could lead us to the bad. Because... Now that we're on Jackie, we got to talk Dude, about. What's... I'm, I'm I'm walking on the wire here this whole time, <laughs> like because every time we get into a good, I'm like, but. <laughs> so let's go to the bad. Uh, let's and right. for that. Let's start with Jackie. Let's start with Jackie, yeah. the only person of color, the only person of color, the only. Uh, you know, it's. I think that's my main beef with Jackie is that this could have been played by a white actor. It wasn't. It was played by the only black... It was an intentional choice yes. to have this go to a black actor. Absolutely. And that's kind of the problem. There's yes. not even black schoolmates. Like, there's nothing. Well, so, there's that... There's. I mean, this is supposed to be all classified in itself, but there's the fact that she's the only person of color. Uh, there's also the fact that she... The joke is that she is herself. And that's always a problem with me. It would not be a problem if, like, you know, she showed up or, like, they had conversations and all this other stuff. Um, and it turned, you know, like, she was catfishing him and yada, yeah. yada, yada. No, he specifically calls her. She shows up to his door. And the punchline is, oh, you thought it would be a hot chick. It's actually a black uh, transsexual. Yeah. So, yeah, that was when I was like, the joke is, she's supposed to be a joke just in her existence, and that pisses me off. But, again, her self-assurance in the, um, in the scene. The actor who plays Jackie is like, I'm not wasting this camera time. Exactly. Like, no, no, plays it, perfectly. kills it. And then also, as I said, the fact that she kind of kicks off everything yeah. from there, and you unsure if that chaos. was like, yeah, you're unsure if that was like her revenge or anything to yeah, me. I do like, wonder. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of Jackie. Now, let's go into this other issue of prostitution and children, because right off the bat, that's my biggest problem. There was so much of this movie that I was so, like, taken away from. Like, my, my, like, I was trying to get lost in the movie, mm -hmm. and there were things that kept happening where I'm just like, wait... That's a child. <laughs> All of these are children. So you're telling me that this guy got a bunch of high schoolers. I, to, and sometimes younger, because there's that yeah, one scene where... It was where like, they, can my little cousin come in or something like that? And it yes. was like, 
that when they when that kid sat on that couch next to those two adult women, yes. and the adult woman starts rubbing on his knee, yes. I was so uncomfortable by all of it. Yes. Even this Yale guy comes over, he sees children, he sees prostitutes, he partakes, and then gets this kid into college? Oh, absolutely. I was like, oh, you're getting into college on the mere fact that he is an accomplice to everything that everything. just went down. Just by being there and not saying this. No. Absolutely. I was like, you were, you were A, you're getting into college because this dude just... Uh, apparently participated with one of the hookers. Yeah. <laughs> so you have him on record for that. Tom Cruise says he makes a few friends. Yes. So there's that. And then he was present while all of these other children are here. He didn't make one phone call. He he could have honestly just left and been like, this is not for me. Or That's what a professional kid, adult yeah, would do. Kid, yeah. you are getting yourself into some hot water. Like or, anything. you know what? I think I'm in a brothel right now. <laughs> I think maybe it'd be best for me and my family if I left. But no, that's not what he did at all. And the fact that he even kind of holds the interview during all of this chaos says a lot about him. Well, that's why it didn't surprise me that he partaked. Oh, no, not at all. Clearly, he was in the know, but just curious to figure out what was going on. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, I started, for me, I was like the male gaze of it all. Yeah. Like, the mo- we start off with him breaking and entering. Yes! <laughs> the opening scene of this movie is so crazy because he's like, yeah, so he's trying to tell the story and obviously it's all made up, but we don't know that when we first watch it. He's like, you know, so I go up to this house and the door's open and someone's taking a shower. So I'm like, well, let me go upstairs and check that out. And there's a woman. <laughs> And I walk in, and and, I, and all of that, and I'm just like, wait, so you broke into this house while a woman was showering and just watched her? And we're supposed to see that as, like, childish and endearing, and you're like, no, that's a felony. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously it ends up being a dream, but it, it just goes to tell, like, what these boys think of sex, and that really laws are not in the mix of that at all. And maybe that's just... A young man's mindset of sex is just not understanding all the consequences that come along with breaking and entering, yeah. and you know, really rape. If we're yeah. talking about children and prostitutes, yeah, rape. So I think there's just a lot that's really glossed over under this whole "well, boys will be boys." Us being in a post Brett Kavanaugh world, yes. us being in a post college admission scandal world, it was really hard to look at this movie without the, the my 2019 goggles on. Yeah. And it really made me it struggle to sympathize with Tom Cruise's character at all. Yeah. The entire time. I thought, first of all, he was kind of charmless. It, it, I don't know if that was Tom Cruise or if that was the character. But I also was just like, all of these problems, I'm like, you know what, bro? I don't even care. Like, I don't feel bad for you at all. <laughs> And I may, am I supposed to feel this way? No, you're supposed to feel sympathy for him. Again, I, I think that that is another part of this movie, as we talk about, again, the bad, that kind of falters, is it's set up to where you're like, oh, can you believe this kid got in over his head? And you're like, yes. Um, and, and if anything, there are more consequences. Because, uh, again, when I watched it for the first time, my boyfriend was like, oh, and then he gets away with everything at the end. I was like, but did he though? Because the pimp still knows where he lives. The pimp still knows where he lives. <laughs> Who knows what kind of STD situation he started at this high school. Yes. Who knows what these kids are going to tell their parents when they come home. Someone's going to feel that 
I had sex with a prostitute guilt and just be like, mom, dad, this thing <laughs> happened to me. Like, that's yeah. all it takes yeah. for, like, his whole thing to fall apart. So, and the fact, again, that he gets into fucking Yale at the end of it. He's rewarded. He is rewarded yeah. for taking a risk. Because that's what this whole movie's about. It's you gotta risk for business sometimes. So this is what we're gonna get into. The next part for me, which is the bad, which is, as I said, Miles. I hate Miles. And I hate Miles. I will say the actor who plays him yeah, does a really good job. Yeah. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff, too. I don't, I'm not yeah, sure. Curtis Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. But he he's always been really good, and he plays that annoying guy very, very well. But his character, Miles, was a terrible person. First of all, Miles starts it all. He's the one who calls. He's the one who calls Jackie eats the vapor, refuses to, you know, like, basically sets him up, constantly sets him up in a position where he it just makes it worse, and then he's like, I'm out. <laughs> I don't know. Here, here's my issue with the whole Miles thing. I felt like at every turn, Miles was like, oh, you should do this. And then Tom Cruise will do it, and then Tom Cruise gets a consequence, and he's like, why'd you make me do that? He's like, really? Because Jackie gave you that number, and you called on your own. That part, that that is true, but he brings Jackie into the mix, is what I'm saying. And I'm sure it was this whole thing of, like, Miles thought it would be but funny, also, blah, blah, blah. Miles is the one who's like, sometimes you just gotta say, what the fuck? Yeah. And he's the one who's like, that's his mantra, and he's spreading this, the, you just gotta say, what the fuck? And the idea that people will walk away from this and be like, yeah, you just gotta say, what the fuck? I'm like, no, because it's, as this movie crime. shows... What the fuck to crime? <laughs> well, also, again, there's a part where Joel's like... I don't think I'm going to say what the fuck anymore. He's like, yeah. yeah. Or there's the uh, idea where Miles is like, um, he goes, you're the one who told me to like say what the fuck, or was that just bullshit? That was bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah. He immediately does not stand behind any of his decisions. Well, also, it's it's this worse, this kid who's like, oh, what the fuck, you should do whatever, you should do whatever. By the way, I have a trigger exam tomorrow. By the way, I'm going to Harvard. By the way, I'm actually taking this shit super seriously and telling you to be a buffoon because I can't do that. Well, uh, you know what? That's a really good point. I'm just saying that Miles is a shitty person because yeah. there's the scene where Miles is like, here's the thing. I don't have to pay for it. Yeah. And you're like, okay, first of all, just, you made me hate you more. No, no, he's definitely <laughs> a douchey instigator. Yeah. But, again, Tom Cruise really does a fantastic job of avoiding responsibility at every turn. And constantly is looking to someone else to blame. It's the nurse's fault for why he got suspended, not his fault. You know what I mean? That is true. But it's I'm just saying, like, Miles is a terrible person. Like, the idea yeah. of... Uh, don't tell anyone. Oh, I didn't tell anyone but Barry. Yeah, Barry, well, don't yeah. tell anyone else. And I won't tell any. I didn't tell anyone else but I don't know Steve. Like he just like <laughs> each time he asked me, he's like, oh no, I didn't tell anyone but this other person previously. <laughs> yeah, and it it spreads. Yeah, and, and also Tom Cruise at one point is just going around town recruiting children. Just being like, how much did you pay for that date? Yeah. Wow. And yeah. What did you even you get it down? For it? Yeah. What did you get for it? So like, female Whoa, sexuality is dude. suddenly reduced to a commodity. You paid how much for the for the movie? How much for gas? Wow. You you know how much pussy you could have bought from me for that money? <laughs> Yo, go cash some bonds and let's party. Like that's wild. These are children. Absolutely. Um, what I want to talk about the nurse scene because yes, you, that's what I got. Let's you talk brought about that up. And I saw that as, like, you know, we have the scene where Tom Cruise is, he's going to basically 
fail two of his midterms if yes. he doesn't get excused for his absence. Um, he was didn't make it because of the car situation. Yes. The car rolled into the river. Um, he gets to school. He's begging the nurse to just be like, please, if you just understood, if you just understood my circumstance, you would agree that this was excusable. Listen, so I got this prostitute over at my <laughs> house, says, right? So I had. I had a call girl. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, okay. He's like, no, 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 no. But it was also my dad, <laughs> my dad's car. She destroyed my dad's car. And she's like, okay, like, why aren't you listening to me? And he's like, no, she is. She understands everything yep. that you're saying. You know what you should do, uh, <laughs> angry white man? You should add violence to this <laughs> and grab her. I do. Grab I'm, an adult. Again, for me, I, I put that in the good because her reaction, again, we don't hear her speak, which is kind of a problem in itself, but I do love how she gives zero fucks about him and his problems because she knows that he's a privileged white boy and brought them all on himself, and she don't give no fucks. <laughs> but his privilege negates that. Yeah. The, the privilege negates the suspension, it negates all of that, because at the end, he still gets what he ultimately wants. Which is the bad. It's like he is rewarded for everything he did and again it, it's painted as and he got away with it yeah or like i think it's like it's painted as he got away with it but like the idea that they stole everything from his house <laughs> <laughs> yo this whole him no pimp in the world is gonna be like you know what we're gonna go over there we're gonna get everything but let's just keep everything in the storage truck just in case we want to bring it back Oh, he has to. Be, we have to be there in an hour, guys. His parents are coming home. No, no, never. This was always well. One of the things that I thought was interesting is when I first watched it, um, the fact that Guido even finds them later on. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you're telling me that he had a good five minute head start for Guido to go get his car on the highway, and he just ends up behind him, knowing how to get there. No. He was given the address, and that's how he was able to catch up. Because there's no other explanation for him to be able to find that car. Yeah. (laughs) On on the middle of the road. Um, Guido. Um, (laughs) Guido has a gun. It is brought to our attention in the very first scene where he's chasing um, Lana. Lana. Um, This gun never comes into play. He's like, oh, your door's locked. Let me in. No, you can't go in. You, you understand I have a gun. Like, when is this gun going to come into play? Because it felt like it was brought in to tap on the window, but it never did anything beyond I that. think it was just always... Suppo- I From that moment on, because also, after she sees him again, that's when Guido shows up, and she's... that Her date was not Guido in the yeah. restaurant. And I at first, I thought it was the guy, you know, I thought the guy who she was with turned violent, and she was like, can you get me out of this situation? That was my first thought. Yeah. But then I was like, no, she called Guido. And this was a plan from the very beginning. Yeah. Because, again, what happens is she goes to uh, Joel and she's like, hey, we can make a lot of money. You have friends who have needs. I have friends who can provide those needs. And he's like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think it's worth it. And she's like, okay. And then immediately after that, she goes to grab her bag and and the car goes into the And what happens to all the money that he profit that he makes from this party he ends Absolutely. up giving it all to guido anyway and then at the end when he's like um was this a was this all a setup and she's like no and i was like yeah i don't believe you either yeah yeah <laughs> so that's what husband. kind of relationship do you think they had post credits um i feel like they it's that kind of relationship where it's like they kept in touch and it's a really unhealthy one but like i'm sure he 
probably still slept with her in college and all this other stuff. Um, but she's definitely he did not attend her funeral. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I mean, I felt I feel like he probably went to college and lost touch, and he's probably on the Supreme Court justice now. And absolutely. And again, Lana was just she did whatever she had to do to keep it going, and he was just like, oh, whoa, that's tragic, whatever ended, whatever ended up happening. No, doesn't this whole movie feel like a story that, like, and then, like, in, not, in the 80s, like, if you're at college, some kid's probably bragging about this, and then that's the shit that comes back and bites him in the ass in 2019? Like, <laughs> like this is the kind of story that, like, if you said that, like, hey, Trump did this, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I, I believe 100%. Absolutely. Well, again, it's kind of, one of the things I wrote in bad and we hit on it earlier was this romanticizing of the male libido like the teenage male libido you know it's kind of like oh again they're just getting laid look at all these boys i mean at least they're paying for it and you know it's yeah yeah but they're still children and it's still like again from the very beginning with his friend who meets um I can't remember the other female's name. Yeah. Remember, like, her friend? Because he's like, you didn't sleep with Lana, did you? Yeah. Which, by the way, you're mad that the prostitute that you called, uh, or sorry, the sex worker, because we've been using the word prostitute a lot, but the sex sex worker worker. that you called um, is, you didn't want her to have sex with anyone else. (laughs) Yeah. And again, from the very beginning, when I saw she stayed the night, I was like, oh, dude, do you know how much you just spent? Yeah. (laughs) And it, it is this kind of thing, too, of, like, um... You know, with these with these sex workers, yeah. like, what kind of honesty are you expecting for them? Like, this is what they do for a living. Exactly. And, and, and this, this whole commitment, and again, it's just him being naive. Yeah, absolutely. But I just, I thought the idea of them, them romanticizing these boys being with sex workers, it's very, it's very 80s old school where it's like, you hear like, oh, my dad took me to a brothel for... Well, that's, and I, you know what, I saw another version of this, and have you ever seen the movie Porky's? Yes. So I this whole idea of losing your virginity to a prostitute is apparently something that in the eighties was quite prolific. Everyone did. Everyone <laughs> did it as far as movies go. Um but and you know what I had said in the good section that like something about this movie, the nostalgia of it I liked and I for I feel like I misspoke when I tied it to this plot line of mm-hmm. boys wanting to get laid. Because that is one of my least favorite movie premises. And I feel like I've seen so much of it and obviously I've seen the, the spawns of this. You mm-hmm. know, that's what I grew up with. Yes. And, you know, anything from, um, you know, uh, Revenge of the Nerds to Superbad, like, all of that in between this American Pie we talked about, it's just kids trying to get laid. Yes. This one movie made me the most uncomfortable of all of them because of the fact that they were getting laid with adults and that there was an exchange of cash. Exactly. And there's several laws being broken. The charm <laughs> of like, I can get like, oh, you're a kid, you're trying to get laid to maybe your crush or something. Like, I can get that there's charm there. Um, this, I just felt very icky. Yes. I felt very icky about it's the It's very one time. of those 80, icky 80s movies yeah. where people, I, I find people who grew up with it like love these movies they're like oh my god i remember it. it's so cool blah 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 the plot and then you watch it and you're like what the hell did you just have me watch there's <laughs> something about the 1980s where being a virgin was the worst thing you could possibly be i could again and you could break any law in the world as long as you lost your virginity Porky's. there's a movie <laughs> called the last american virgin um there's this jim carrey movie where he turns into a vampire because he can't get laid or something like this this all this yeah it's called like once bitten and the whole movie is he's trying to have sex with his girlfriend but she won't do it so he he 
meets up with this huh. vampire who's like, oh, I'll have sex with you, but she just keeps biting him. It's it's ridiculous. I, I, I thought Nicolas Cage has one that's similar. Um, Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just uh, there needs to be more to a movie than, like, I would like it if maybe the movie starts with this kid just wanting to get laid, but they end up going on a deeper emotional journey, and they gain some, like... And so for that, that brings us to The Makeover. Yeah, all right. All right, yeah. so with The Makeover, tell, give me your pitches. What do you have? All right, so I I like the idea of Joel being naive. I like the idea of him being privileged and middle class, class or high uh, upper class, I should say, or mm-hmm. upper middle class, whatever. Um, I would have much preferred it if by the end of it, he had come to an understanding of what the real consequences were to all these decisions. If maybe he didn't get into Yale, maybe his parents come home and the whole thing is gone. Maybe he gets a, the dad, when he confronts him at the end, he's like, I just got off the phone and the whole shit blows into, up in his face. Like something like that, where he's not just like, Oh, I'm going to go off and be successful after this. Yeah. Um, would have made the movie, I think a little bit, um, more real. There was a movie that came out um, with Robert Downey Jr. in the 1980s where he was like this drug addict and he was in Beverly Hills and he was just like this rich kid and he was struggling with addiction. It was very like real and visceral. Um, like showing that there is a dark side to these very uh, seemingly naive choices that are being made. Um, so in my movie, maybe I, I kind of want to replace Tom Cruise. I just don't like him as an actor. <laughs> Who would you replace him with? Uh, this time period, maybe Andrew McCartney, like if you're familiar. No. Um, uh, uh, 16 Candles? Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, Pretty in Pink. I'm sorry, Pretty in Pink. No. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone like that, maybe like Emilio Estevez even. Like, I don't know. This Emilio! Is, 1983. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, so. There's like quite a few people. I think uh, Matt Dillon would have been great. Matt Dillon would have been great. Kevin Bacon. Like, anyone I like think this. they all tried out. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Pretty much everyone who left Outsiders was like, what's the next script? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, just something where like that. Um, I would have liked it if the pimp was maybe brought a little bit more danger and violence and he wasn't so, like, comical with his, like, all right, well, what do you got, $40? <laughs> all right, yeah, you're good for it. Like, making wisecracking. Yeah. I like you, Joel. I yeah. want to help you out. I'm a pimp. And I want to mentor you because that's what pimps do. That doesn't really make yeah. sense to me. Um, and also just maybe him, him realizing or it coming, like being exposed to him afterwards that all of this was orchestrated by Lana and him having to deal with like a heartbreak, like something that's maybe more of a consequence than like not getting into the school he wants, but actually feeling emotionally hurt. Um, I think that would have been more rewarding. Um, just because it's really hard, again, for me to root for this character. So that's just what I think for makeover-wise. All right, yeah. So for me, I'm actually going to do something a little bit different than we've done before. I actually found what I think are sister stories or sister movies to this particular script and done with everything that you and I wanted, which is, um, for me, while watching this, I got a very big Mean Girls vibe. And I, yeah. it felt like this person who got in over their head and, you know, it's just like, but as we said, she became this person who she didn't think she would be. There were consequences to everything. And it was just like, just like we explored girl world and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this was an exploration of boys and the small groups that they have and the friendships and what's important to them and 
everything like that. Like, I kind of saw a lot of parallels. Even the whole huge house party, you know, scene. I saw a lot of parallels of boy culture versus girl culture while watching this. That's really interesting. And I think if you watch this movie and you watch Mean Girls, you'll see the same thing. Um, But on, on top of that, after that, one script that I think is the exact 2000 our new millennium version of this story in a way is dope dope okay yeah i can see that i can see similarities with that and i again drugs i feel so much more comfortable with with children than prostitution um or sex work i should say um and i don't know why i feel more comfortable with it but yeah but no that's my whole point the 2015 movie dope starring oh god oh that's starring my spider-man yeah, exactly. I can't think of his name right now. Give me one second. All right, yeah. So the 2015 uh, movie Dope, starring Shamik Moore, Tony Revolori? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and produced by Forrest Whitaker. I think that movie is this. Yeah. I think it's the modern tale of this. You have your um, teenage boy protagonist. You have him being worried about college. You have him accidentally being involved in illegal activity. And getting involved with a girl who gets him into trouble with another guy. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's all of those beats, but it has a multicultural cast. It has consequences to everyone's actions, but the boy kind of learns and even, like, one-ups yeah. the system. It's like, all of that makes more sense. Like, if Joel would have gotten in accidentally, because I honestly, like, imagine it was like, he likes Lana, and Lana's just coming over, and she's using him, and he doesn't see it, and he accidentally gets involved, and he realizes that he's actually been a pimp this entire time, and then he actually gets into some kind of altercation with Guido, and he and Lana decide to turn Guido into the cops and, like, get away with the whole thing. That, yes. (laughs) I would also be very on board with uh, Joel. At one point, like, maybe towards the end of the movie it becomes clear to us that Joel realized at some point that he was getting played and started playing them. That's what I'm saying. And then at the end, it kind of get turned around where like both Guido and Lana somehow get screwed because Joel, who this kid that they underestimated, who has all of this like huge academic record and this is well-rounded kid preparing for college. He showed us that he could, he Sorry. showed us that he could use his abilities, his smarts, his privileged education to get him out of this mess. And then he's like, now I'm, I'm ready to go to college because I know the game. Something like that, I would have been more on board with as well. Yeah, no, no. And that's, uh, uh, again, dope is all of that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you liked this movie, I would suggest you watch 2015's Dope because I think that you will get the modern tale of this um, that you're looking for. Now, if someone wanted to watch a movie about children and prostitution, um, <laughs> do we have any current... <laughs> Are there? I guess, guys, watch the R. Kelly documentary. Um, <laughs> if you want to see a more up-to-date version of... Yeah, of, what, what, something with consequences. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully, or, exactly. Or, or why that's terrible. All right, uh, anything uh, else? Uh, no. All no. right, so let's talk about, is this movie more good than bad? Where are you at after our conversation? After our conversation, I, I'm about 50-50 on this. Okay. I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just one of these movies that, like, if I never saw it again, fine, whatever. Um, it didn't... You know what else I just want to say real fast yeah. that I just want to throw in here before we go on? I thought the 
again, this movie is, I haven't seen much about it. I've seen that old school rock and roll scene so many times. And so when it was about to happen, I was like, oh, this is that iconic scene that I've always seen. And I thought it was such an underwhelming performance by Tom Cruise. I was like, he doesn't even seem to like really be that into this. And so what's weird about that is that scene was actually improv and he, that's, that's him. But I think what you're saying is Tom Cruise isn't an exciting person. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because according to, I did a, a little research on the background. A lot of people said that. They were like, he was such a weird kid to be around. He kept saying things like, he was kind of like, a teenager, uh, he was older, he was like in his 20s, but he was kind of like the guy who was just like, would talk and say things, where people were like, why did you say that? Like, <laughs> like, well, who are you trying to impress, number one? Number two, no one believes you. And they were just... No, dude, he's, just so, of, he's just so clear. He's been fighting off all those beatings. <laughs> <laughs> he's so clear, bro, that people just Especially can't. at this time, right? Yeah, at this point, man. Like, it's so funny, if you watch the Scientology documentary, Going yes. Clear on HBO, there's a scene where they have Tom and they have a band playing old school rock and roll like it's his theme song Uh, yeah i mean to be fair it did catapult him um in a way that nothing else did at the time yeah this is like a few years before top gun right top gun was like what 87 yes this is definitely a few years um is this movie more good than bad by like a hair Ah. by like a hair and you know what i will agree with you because in my opinion like i said i looked at it and i'm like i understand when you look at everything holistically, like so, when you look at the realism with the teenagers, you look at the the chances they take with um, just filming and directing, um, the, the direction of it, yeah, really well done. The music soundtrack's really well done. The problem, even the story, like the story hits the beats that it's supposed to hit, and it's not a problem with the movie. I just don't like the story they're telling. Exactly. I think that's my, and problem. that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. It's the story they're telling, and it's the misogyny that they glorify yes that is the problem um and i think that that to me is what makes this movie less than at no point did the single kid was like you know what i don't want to lose my virginity to a prostitute i want it to be something that's real and special <laughs> like there is so much shaming on virgins that yeah it's it's you know what i take it back it's more bad than good by a hair, <laughs> by a hair. All right, so thank you guys for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. You can find me on Instagram at a braver me at me. And if you guys have thoughts on how to make these movies better, uh, please write us at Movie Makeover on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email us email us at moviemakeoverpod.gmail.com. Okay. And we are excited to invite you guys to join <laughs> us next week for our discussion of the most amazing movie about smart sharks ever made. <laughs> LL Cool J's Deep Blue Sea. Yes, I'm, I'm actually here for it. Um, as always, uh, I'm Teach. And I'm TC. Makeover and out. Makeover and out. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to say what the fuck is.